I'm Josh. And I'm Gabriel. And today on Reading the Gospel, we are studying the death martyrdom of John the Baptist. This is found in uh, Matthew chapter 14, verses 1 and 2. Mark chapter 6, verses 14 through 39. Luke chapter 9, verses 7 through 9. Today we will be reading from Mark chapter 6, verses 14 through 29. Follow along with us. King Herod heard of it, for Jesus' name had become known. Some said, John the Baptist has been risen from the dead. That is why these miraculous powers are at work in him. But others said, he is Elijah. And others said, he is a prophet, like one of the prophets of old. But when Herod heard of it, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised. For it was Herod who had sent and seized John and bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because he had married her. For John had been saying to Herod, It is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And Herodias had a grudge against him and wanted to put him to death. But she could not, for Herod feared John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man, and he kept him safe. When he heard him, he was greatly perplexed, and yet he heard him gladly. Then an opportune day came when Herod on his birthday gave a feast for his nobles, the high officers, and the chief men of Galilee. And when Herodias' daughter herself came in and danced and pleased Herod and those who sat with him, the king said to the girl, Ask me whatever you want, and I will give it to you. He also swore to her, Whatever you ask me, I will give you up to half of my kingdom. So she went out and said to her mother, What shall I ask? And she said, The head of John the Baptist. Immediately she came in with haste to the king and asked, saying, I want you to give to me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And the king was exceedingly sorry. Yet because of the oaths and because of those who sat with him, he did not want to refuse her. Immediately the king sent an executioner and commanded his head to be brought. And he went and beheaded him in prison, brought his head on a platter, and gave it to the girl. And the girl gave it to her mother. When the disciples heard of it, they came and took away the corpse and laid it in the tomb. This is a uh, sad passage that we're reading, sad event that we're reading. Um, Herod is now hearing of Jesus, and he's asking, well, is this John the Baptist raised from the dead? Is this coming again? Is this Elijah? Herod has this knowledge, and, and he's curious. And it was not just Jesus, mm -hmm. because this happened after the instruction of the twelve. Yeah. And Jesus' ministry was being multiplied, right, twelve times. And uh, the word was circulating very quick, yeah. and it was a like a 
social commotion. Everyone was talking about this. Yeah. So there's there is a spiritual curiosity in Herod. Mm-hmm. Um, we we find this. We we see this in this passage as he goes back and recounts how he put um, John the Baptist up for execution. There there is a spiritual inquiry, but it's not enough. Um, he he still ends up doing these horrific things. It says here in verse 20 in my version, when Herod heard John, he was greatly perplexed, mm-hmm. and yet he heard him gladly. I'm not sure if John was brought to the court to preach the gospel. Yeah. It is most likely that uh, Herod went uh, into the wilderness by the river to hear John the Baptist preach and uh, that was public his his sin was denounced publicly mm-hmm. and he was perplexed didn't expect someone to challenge him right there in public but yet he heard John gladly yeah I always pictured it, and again, this is not the Bible saying it. This is just in my mind that Herod did bring John out of prison and had conversations with him and, and listened to him, um, and yeah, got perplexed because of those things that he was saying. But he, again, he's not ready to change, um, but he's willing to to spend time and to listen and to hear John the Baptist, mm-hmm. um, and. The reason why he's not willing to change, I mean, we see it. He's He has him in Bible in prison. He's willing to hear him. But then on his birthday, he's back to his negative deeds. You know, the, this daughter dancing is, that. that's putting it kindly in Bible terms. Um, having Herodias' daughter come and dance before the, the noble and everything, that was not appropriate mm-hmm. um, to take place. Um, but... At the end, he's willing to give this daughter up to half his kingdom. You know, the, this great deed that uh, should never be offered um, to to someone who's not your spouse. So, yeah, so you see, um, uh, that sensuality of the dance kind yeah. of took over his feelings and mind, and he made that promise, he gave his word in front of the nobles the whole court mm-hmm. and the main reason he continues to go against his conscience and to fulfill his promise is because of those who sat i listened to your version to your translation yeah because of those who sat there and that expression i think it's repeated twice he couldn't change his mind even if he wanted to save John the Baptist, because of those who sat. And the question is, who is controlling the decisions of our life? Yeah. When we do something, we want to please who? Um, who is sitting uh, physically or mentally in our lives? Who is more important than God? Because he felt that this is a man of God. He mm-hmm. is a godly person, a holy person, but at the same time, because of those who sat. And here's the thing. It's his birthday. He's the king. 
He could have changed his mind. He could yeah. have done something else. He had the power to do whatever he wanted. Well, not not everything. There was a Caesar over him that people could have gone to, but he had a ton of power, and he did not have to follow through with this. Um, but yeah, like you said, peer pressure. This who, those around him. He wanted to save his face. He didn't want to go back on his word. His reputation in front of other people was more important than his reputation before God. Yeah, and so he's willing to cut off this this spiritual link that he's had to uh, commit murder, to appease the drunkenness at the party, though those people there who are his peers or his friends. And even before that, because he entered into this um, illicit relationship, mm -hmm. uh, he could not... Um, uh, get away with saving John the Baptist's life. Yeah. So we make decisions in life which snowball into later, and uh, we are caught into this web of uh, previous decisions. So it's important that each decision that we make is done together with God, and we pray for the wisdom that comes from above because we do not see down the road. Yeah. We need to trust a God who sees the end from the beginning. So what does this section tell you about God? I know for me, as I'm looking at this, um, I see Herod as being convicted by the Holy Spirit, maybe not to the point where he's ready to repent, but there there seems to be conviction or, or something there. Mm -hmm. um, and because of the perplexing. Um, and so... What this tells me about God is God is working with everyone. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the people, the children of Israel would have loved to have gotten rid of Herod. They would have, they waited for the Messiah to come and to have an uprising and overthrow the Romans and execute the Romans and establish the kingdom of Israel. So Herod is the enemy, but God is still working in Herod's heart. And mm -hmm. God works in the hearts of, of everyone, even our bitterest enemy, God is seeking to save and, and restore them as well. Whether that happens or not, that's ultimately up to an individual. Mm -hmm. I was very surprised, and this is my perspective on God. So God is in heaven. Mm -hmm. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to be born uh, in Bethlehem, raised in Nazareth, and uh, uh, preached the gospel about who God is versus Satan's accusations. And now, under Jesus' eyes, one of the greatest injustices in history has happened. And Jesus does not address this. I have been wondering why. Why Jesus, who has noticed so much injustice in the government of that time, didn't raise his voice, didn't start a march, going to surround Herod's palace and demand that they will uh, release John the Baptist and so on. Jesus Christ kind of stayed above politics. He stayed away from government. And even more when uh, people, the crowd, wanted to make him the next leader of the nation, he pulled his disciples, crossed the lake, and went on the other side. Mm -hmm. And the answer as I found to this question is this. 
Jesus Christ did not come to change the government. He came to change our hearts, one heart at a time, one sermon at a time, one miracle at a time. And this is why uh, Jesus Christ stayed away from politics and from attacking the government. And I think this is a, a good lesson for us to learn today. Yeah, so how is this passage speaking to us today? And what are we going to do about it? If I continue on the same line, is uh, I see a trend uh, here in America that is called Christian nationalism. It is very much in line with what the Jews wanted to do with Jesus in, in, in those times. They wanted Jesus to lead the nation, to enact laws, to control the different branches of the government, and to execute the will of God as understood by people. So Jesus Christ stayed away from that. And maybe this is our responsibility. Uh, we have to be very much involved in preaching the gospel and preparing the way for the second coming of Jesus Christ to be an extension of Elijah who prepares the way not only for the first but also for the second coming of Christ. But at the same time, to stay away from these traps caught in the, into this movement of nationalist, Christian nationalist movement to uh, try to change the nation at the government level. Jesus Christ came to change the hearts. One life at a time, individually, he said, my kingdom is not of this world. Yeah, I see the Christian nationalist movement as more danger to the church than the progressive movement in the country, and, and we need to be very careful about that. So mm -hmm. um, for me, looking at this, how it's speaking to me today, it, it's getting to this idea of how are we surrounding ourselves? Mm -hmm. You know, what, what friends do we have? What are they making us do? What locations, what situations are we putting ourselves in? Mm -hmm. um, are we going to places where we shouldn't be? Are we hanging around people we shouldn't hang around with? Are we using excuses, well, I'm trying to be a good witness to them or I'm trying to save them uh, or whatever. Um, but ultimately, our community, whether it's people or objects, places, it's gonna change who we are. Mm -hmm. And we need to be very deliberate about putting ourselves in places where we are drawn closer to God. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we want to be very sure that we are living up to the call that you've given us. We want to be very sure, Father, that we are not surrounding ourselves with um, people who will help us to turn from you or putting ourselves in situations where it is easier to ignore your calling and, and even do things such as reject and turn away from you. Father God, we pray that you will continue to reveal yourself to us each and every day. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.